You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net.
speak through my craziness, speak through you made me, Lord, and my interpretation has been for a while now that you can use me, that you can use donkeys, and I will say I'm not less than a donkey, so Lord, just use me right now and change the interpretation of everybody in this room and online for your glory, not my ego or their laughs, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So reinterpret. You gotta reinterpret your present. We're gonna start there. We're gonna start with that. Reinterpret your present. I don't want to talk. I don't want to focus on your future or your past because if you'll reinterpret your current season and situation, uh, you will find healing from your past, and, and, your, and, and, and you won't worry as much if it is affected as much by your past or your future. Because what we do is our interpretation. We are so. We are so imprisoned by our current interpretation, we are hurt and wounded for the past, and we are worried about the future, and we end up missing out in this moment. And what God is doing right now in your life, whether you want out of it or you don't want it to get out of it, you need to reinterpret your present. Your present. It will change everything. So I don't even want to focus on the future and the past. I want to focus on right now. Israel was in a really bad season. They're actually in slavery and bondage when, when God said this to them. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And he's not just talking about the trauma of the past here, because he just got done in previous verses saying, talking about the Red parting the Red Sea. When he parted the Red Sea and Israel walked across on dry land, he saved their entire nation, probably the biggest and most supernatural miracle in the Old Testament. He just got done noting it. Noting it. So, when he says forget the past, he's not just talking about the pain. He's talking about everything. And it is extremely hard in a bad season to throw out the good things. But God says, I want you to forget those too. And I'm going to tell you why. He says, because it, I, it is not even comparable compared to what I'm going to do. A lot of times when you're in the season you don't think you can get out of, you'll start grieving over the good times that are behind you. And God says, I want you to forget about that too. Because it is not even comparable to what I'm going to do and what I'm working in your life if you will interpret it that way. Matter of fact, that's what he says. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Something you don't even think is, is inside of you. You don't even think I can do. You don't even have a reference of. I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs up. And then he says this to them. Do you not perceive it? Do you not interpret it that way? Does your perspective line up with what I'm telling you? And remember, they are in slavery. They weren't in slavery for five minutes. Most of Israel, most of the Old Testament Israel's in and out of slavery for generations. A lot of times the slavery is because of their decisions, and your bad decisions start with your bad interpretations. Before you make a bad decision, you have a bad interpretation. Look at your insecurities and the way you live from your emotions, you make decisions from your emotions and feelings, and before you know it, you've embarrassed yourself, you're in a ton of debt, you're doing a ton of stupid stuff, and it's not the decisions that's the problems, it's the interpretation. Because your faith, faith is an interpretation. It's what it is. Regardless of if I live or die, I mean, think about the Old Testament. Think about the Jewish boys who responded to Nebuchadnezzar. We are not going to bow down. God to the idol. He was going to Nebuchadnezzar will throw him in the fiery furnace, and he says, "Oh God, can save us." But even if He doesn't, that's an interpretation. Whether God saves me for the fire, or you guys throw me in the fire, fire me, don't give me the promotion, take all my money, take my house. Uh, hurt me, leave me, whether my husband or wife leaves me, whether my kids hate me or don't hate me, whether they, my employer believes in me, I will not bow down. That's an interpretation. 
That is an interpretation. That is an, he says, he says to Israel, do you not perceive it? Do you not interpret it that way? Interpret it that way. He says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You don't see ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He says, I'm going to do something unprecedented in your life, and that's the reason that I don't want you to keep grieving over the good times that are behind you because of the bad times that are in front of you. Because you end up settling for less than what God is doing, all because of your interpretation. Oh, your perspective. Man, it hit me so hard. I saw Amanda Riggins' brother, um, God, she may come into place. And I, I'm telling you that I'm, I've shared in the past, and that woman had a perspective straight from the God. And she did not find healing on this earth from cancer, but nothing rocked her interpretation. I want to live like that. I want to die like that. Whether I die tomorrow, live to 150. It is about your interpretation of right now. God says, "Do you not see it? Do you not see it?" He is challenging Israel's interpretation. He is challenging it. He's saying, "I want you to see it right now, Israel. I don't want you to pray and beg me to get you out of slavery. I want you to believe that I'm in Babylon right now." That I am working in your disease and in your chronic pain. I am working in the financial issues that you were trying to get yourself out of because of dumb decisions you made when you were 25. You don't have to keep living in it in 45 and 55, but you have to change your interpretation of right now. Right now. Do not get lost in this season. Do not get lost. He says, do not get lost in your uh, in your divorce or your seventh divorce or these bad dating situations that you single people find yourself in, and you think you're never going to find the right one because all you've got is wrong ones. Do not get lost in your hurt and disappointment. Do not lose your interpretation because if you keep letting it interpret you, how you interpret your life will define your life. And God is speaking to Israel right in the middle of one of the worst seasons because it don't get any worse than slavery. But you don't have to be a slave to Babylon to be a slave to your money management issues, to your fear, to your insecurities, to a lot of things that we're going to talk about a good bit of them today. You do not have to be, but how you interpret your life will define your life. Do not get lost in it. Do you not see it? You need to say we interpret. God says it is nothing. I know that it is. I know. I'm going to tell you one of the most crippling feelings when I preached my dad's funeral was it came Christmas time. And I remember some of the happiest moments of my entire childhood was on Christmas. So we got to go into the memories that they were wonderful. And I remember thinking, that's over. Grandma's dead. Daddy's dead. They're all dead now that God is tragic and heartbreaking. And I remember thinking it's over. And it's easy in bad seasons to start grieving over the good times and thinking they're behind you. And God understood that with Israel. He says, forget it all because it's nothing compared to the cake I'm giving you. It's nothing. I got, a, I got something in the oven for you that is nothing compared to what you had in the oven. You need to quit looking at the pay display and everybody else's story and job promotions. You need to stop looking at it. You need to quit grieving over past days. God said it is nothing. That is an interpretation. And God is challenging their interpretation. Quit looking. Say this with me right now. Say it's nothing. Tell your neighbor. I don't care how anxious it makes you. Tell your neighbor, say it's nothing. Say it like you mean it. Say it's nothing. It's nothing. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. That is a faith interpretation. Nothing. 
It is a promise from God. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know the details. I remember, I remember uh, preaching Kelvin Pittman Scary's uh, first husband's funeral, and I remember saying it did not happen the way you planned, but it will still happen the way he promised. I don't get to decide the details. I trust God with us. How do you interpret it? How do you interpret it? Because how you interpret your life will define your life. Not the details. Your interpretation of them. He says, challenge. Years ago, Robert, I don't know if you remember this, but I was in his mid-20s, which means I was in my mid to early teens, really. I just told you that. How about the things you are good at? You know it. 
I'm not, I'm not saying things that you did right. The things that you got going for you. Trust me, uh, growing up that broken kid that honestly uh, has always had a sense of insecurity and what I'm learning in my season of life now is that there's some things I don't even realize I'm learning all over people because I got, I'm louder than everybody, even if I don't know better than you, I can at least make you think it's that way. And I'm actually having to learn that there are some things that I know that God has blessed me with some abilities. And you have some abilities. How do you reinterpret those mountaintops where you don't live in pride and ego and you don't end up losing everything because of it? You gotta reinterpret it. Uh, this is what the Lord says. Do don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. That they truly know. Not about me. See the Pharisees knew all about it. They were the scholars, man. Uh, a lot of people know a lot about how to make money, but once you've learned the tricks of the trade and you make a fortune, you can probably make it all over again. But he says that they boast in this, that they truly know me, the one that gives you the blessing and the gifts and the abilities and the success. Amen. Only let them boast that they know me and understand that I'm the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have Spoken. The Bible teaches, it says, don't lift your horn. It says, don't lift your horn. Don't lift your horn. Don't get cocky and think all of a sudden, and don't lift your The Apostle Paul, who is probably one of the single greatest men of faith to ever walk the earth, which is why we're across the world 2,000 years later experiencing him because of his because of that man's faith. And the Apostle Paul himself said, in my flesh dwelleth no good. He says, I die daily. I die daily. Everything that Paul was one of the most anointed people that walked the face of the earth. He, he, he is a new, I bet them Roman guards were crying when they took his head. Because he didn't lose his faith interpretation. In my flesh, he got slapped by the high priest and he apologized for slapping him because he did, the high priest was wrong, but Paul cared more about his heart. He said, he said, in my flesh, there was no good thing. It was all about grace. That's why so much you read about grace and Paul's writings. Even Jesus himself said, I can do nothing Amen. on my own. That's right. Nothing. Amen. That's right. Nothing. I can do nothing on my own. Say, reinterpret. We went to Nashville to a conference a couple of weeks ago. Uh, all the staff got to go. And uh, our favorite person was a guy named Shadonka. I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not, forgive me. He was an African uh, a pastor. He is literally a modern day Paul. The guy has started a movement of about half a million people in churches all over Africa, and he is their leader. Just so you know, in context, the biggest church in America, in America isn't even 50,000 people. This man has had miracles happen. I mean, there are healings that are happening throughout. It's a, he's a modern day Paul to Africa. 500,000 people. And you know what he did? He traveled. Number one, he's had miracles break out and he's had healings. He also lost his son earlier this year. His son did not get a miracle. He died at 18 years old. And this man gets on a stage and he preaches about the glory of God and he preaches about conquering faith. And I kid you not, he led us in prayer on that stage in the main sessions. And then early one morning, we all got there and he led us there and he gets on his knees. 
and he screams, I will not touch your glory. I will not touch your glory. I will not touch your glory. We were in a back room because one of the conferences we went to was amazing. The other one, that we, you could sense the frustration because of, uh, because of people's stances on controversial issues. And me and Connor told him, we saw him in the back room, and we told him, we said, man, thank you for your sincerity. I know there's a sense of a lot of frustration here. You were so sincere in the presence of God is all over you. You know what he said? He said he's all for his life. All for his life. He, he talks about all the healing that happened, all the healing that's happening in Africa that were in his churches. And then he talks about his 18-year-old son dying. And he said, he looked at his wife and he said, in Africa, their cries, will, will, you will know how they're hurting by how loud and how intense their crying moans are. And he said that as they're moaning, he tells his wife, he says, God wants to show his glory through this That is a man that has learned to give God glory on the mountaintops. It's easy when you ain't got no other options and you're broke and broken and everybody's left you to get to your knees. This man has changed the world as we know it. And he is still saying, I will not touch your glory. And what we do is we like to emphasize and focus on our faithfulness. We like to say, man, we get our, our posts. We don't even realize that they're ate up with selfishness and self-indulgence, man. I've been guilty too. I waited so long and God blessed me. You started out with how you waited. I did. I waited so long. I did this. I'm, God, has, God has blessed me, my abilities. I've been as guilty as, as everybody that hears my message right now. Because it's easy when God blesses you and you're not as broken as you used to be to forget that you were broken too. Easy to forget. It's easy to forget what the bottom looks like when you finally get to the top. I've been as guilty as everybody. It's easy to forget. But don't you forget when you get to that mountaintop when God blesses you, when you get your spouse that you wait for, when you finally get your feet under you, when you get your money in order, and you get, don't you forget. Who got you to the time? Don't you all of a sudden get spiritual amnesia and forget that when you hate on that teenage girl that gets pregnant and you're talking a bunch of junk, not letting your kids hang out with them, that you could have been pregnant too, just some soldiers didn't win. Because I doubt there's anybody in this building right now that when you were 16, 17, 18, 19, probably ain't some of you couldn't got pregnant or got a girl pregnant, but we get spiritual amnesia because we get older. You treat your daughter's boyfriend like you work them. Game recognizes game. Just because you got the job and the promotion, don't mistreat people because you forgot at the top of your mountain that you were on the bottom. You were the player at one point two. You were the ones not thinking about commitment too. We forget that we were immature dummies too. I do it too, y'all. I get to talking to Gary and I get so mad because I see myself in him because I don't care if he's got my DNA or not. He's just like me. And before I know it, I'm like, man, you act like he's 30, almost 37. Do not, do not forget the process in your life. Do not forget it. Don't mistreat people because you're, you're a little bit farther along than them. Reinterpret, reinterpret, reinterpret. Jesus said, I will humble those who exalt themselves and I will exalt those who humble themselves. He will take you off that mountain. 
I'll trust somebody who's gotten the uh, many times because I'm as human as you. I've gotten the carpet pulled out from under me. And I'm going to tell you, it is his grace and love that it don't feel good. He will take it out from under you. Do not forget, reinterpret the mountaintop because it is only by his grace. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Paul didn't forget the mountaintop, so you got it there. When you're finally at the place you're not broke, don't forget what it was like when you were. Say reinterpret. Reinterpret your mistakes. Reinterpret your mistakes. There's this pressure to earn it in our culture. It's, not, it's, it's always been. Yeah, like it's an American thing. Now it's just a movie. There's this pressure to earn it, to prove it, to live up to it, to make up for it. There are how many people that are older that finally get their life like they want to go into ministry and they want to make up for the 20 years that they wasted. That ain't how it works. You gotta reinterpret your mistakes, even the time and the years you've wasted. You gotta reinterpret it. I don't care if you're 90 or 9 in here right now. You gotta reinterpret your mistakes and the things that you've done wrong. There's this pressure to earn it, to prove it, to make up for it. We wanna live up to culture's expectations, the church culture's expectations. I some of the most rigid expectations that you could argue in our society is for church people. You ain't noticed I'm pretty raw. I, I, I wear what I want to wear up here as long as I'm covered up. Because I, I had to learn that I am not going to be weighed down by expectations God didn't put on me. By all means, if you want to wear your suit, I don't wear suits because I have to rest. I wear a football uniform. I'll be ticking like crazy. That's not who I am. If that's you, come up here rocking a suit. Not the point. There's this pressure to perform, to live up to things. Hey, the thing about it is nothing's changed. It was that way then, and it's still that way. And Paul addressed it because that is an exhausting interpretation to live in. You are so, you get that, you're constantly, you get a promotion, you get a degree, and then it's all about what is the next thing that will satisfy you. Because you've got to reinterpret your mistakes. You're constantly trying to make up for things. We're trying to make up for things. We're trying to live up. We've walked so much. And here's how you reinterpret it. Paul said this. He addressed it straight up so that you can, so that you can lighten the load. Because life is heavy enough. When people work, their wages are not a gift. Paul says, but something they've earned. But people are counted righteous. Say not. Look at your neighbor. Say not. Because of their work, but because of their interpretation, faith, perspective, belief in God who forgives sinners. David, I love, it is brilliant right here that Paul is pulling for David who made some of the most massive mistakes of all of us. And yet, he was called a man after God's own heart because he understood God's forgiveness more than any of us. So he pulls for David to prove his argument. He says, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who were declared righteous without working for it. Without working for it. He says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. A man who God forgave him of murder and of adultery. Whose sins are put out of sight. Whose mistakes are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. David understood this, and Paul knew it. Paul knew David for a Jewish population who was trying to make Christians look like Jews. Because in that time period, there were expectations just like there are now. 
everybody said that everybody wanted to make Christianity just an upgraded Judaism, and that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to change the whole thing. And so there was this pressure, that's why they wanted them to be circumcised. We want people to vote a certain way. Come on. We do. I'm not a, I'm not a fit Baptist church. I'm not trying to conform you to nothing but Jesus in that. And also, I don't look like it either, so I'm wrong about some stuff. But but what we do is we put expectations. And Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you may face heaven your own people. And they did. That's why they killed him, because he wouldn't take that right way that they tried to put on him. So Jesus talks about, or Paul talks about this pressure, and he says, now, is this blessing only for the Jews, people who look the part, who vote Republican, or Democrat, or whatever, who wear their pants on the ground, or wear their pants on their belly button, I don't know, whatever that is for you. I'll wear my pants low because I got no clothes. There's what it is, don't judge me. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles, for people who don't look like us? Because Paul was a Jew, a converted Jew. Well, it's one line I'm stop here, it's amazing. Well, we have been saying that Abraham pulled from the father of the Jewish faith in our faith. He pulls from the king of it all that started this, that led to Jesus. He says, well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of what? His what? His interpretation, his faith, his perspective, his belief. Not because of what he did, because of who he believed. Listen to me, this will free you right now. You got some, you've made some mistakes, you've really, you've done some things off in your life. There's some things everybody knows about you, some things only you know about you, and you want to keep it that way. Let me tell you, what you do and what you've done does not make you who you are. But as you begin to understand who you are, what you do will line up with who you are. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back and the people that got a fifth text that sort of like me. What you do and what you've done doesn't make you who you are. But as you begin to understand who you are, what you do will begin to line up with who you are. Until then, it's just behavior modification. You're just trying to look apart, but you ain't experienced God's love and presence nearly the way he's taught that he wants you to. You just check box. That's right. Check very can't wait to get back down because nobody wants to carry it. You know why it is? Say reinterpret. I know that you made some mistakes. I know there's some hurt in your life. I know you've gotten hurt and you hurt people because you were living in hurt. And some of you, that's what your disciple you keep repeating in your head. I know it. And I want you to know this right now. Which is why Paul wrote this type of stuff. Which is why the gospel is the good news. You don't have to keep living in what you've done and paying for what you've done. The same scripture that applied to Esther applies to you. You were born for such a time as this. And if you will begin to reinterpret, if you will begin to reinterpret your mistakes, God will use them. And your life will be bigger and better. Not in spite of your mistakes. That's not the gospel. That's saying he will show you in glory when you begin to reinterpret them and know that God will even use the mistakes that you're ashamed of. I'm talking about all of them. You want me to name a few? Abortions 
females in the building. We forgave you a long time ago. He said on the cross 2,000 years ago, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Your interpretation is the reason you won't forgive yourself. I was in a PRC conference about church ministry in Hart Park with the PRC a couple weeks ago, and they said it. They said, man, there's women that have had abortions all over your congregation. And I said, man, I want you to, I want them to know you were forgiven. I don't care if it's going. We interpret your mistakes. How many, how many people you pushed away? Your kids, men, women, boys and girls, you need to reinterpret your mistakes. Because the same scriptures that we read about in the Old Testament, that he will turn our valley, our valley of troubles into a door of hope. That's not just for Israel, that's for every person right here in my house. He will make beauty, he will, he will make beauty from ashes. And I remember since some of the roughest seasons of my life when I was just bawling like a baby, I would just quote. Isaiah 61, 7, I just quote, and I believe it. I still believe it. That for your for your former shame, you will have double honor. For your former disgrace, you will have double in your reign. You will rejoice in your inheritance and everlasting. And there has been times that I've gravitated away because of mistakes I've made and things that I've done. And, I, and when I came back, I realized that's still true for my mistakes, not just the mistakes, not just the hurt that was done to me, but the hurt that I did. Say, reinterpret it. Reinterpret. He forgave you a long time ago, but your interpretation is what is calling causing your mistakes back in your mistakes. And how you define your life, how you interpret your life will define your life. Reinterpret the impossible. All the people that are getting baptized, when you go ahead and go make preparations, baby girl, when you go ahead and come on up, reinterpret the impossible. Paul said this, and boy, he had to live this to be able to do what he did, what he went through, what was wet, what was on and against him. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You focus on what your faith is in. I'll say that again for the people in the back, if you've got ADD like me. You focus on what your faith is in. And your life will be defined and consumed by that. And Paul said, we fix our eyes. We focus not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Text is seen. It's seen. You see it on a text scan just as clear as a bell. People you love that have gone before us, you can, you can see things. You can see a criminal record. Sure, Kenny, you can see a criminal record. I can see you can see my limitations. I don't have to be on the stage and tell you about it. You can spend five minutes with me. You can see my shortcomings. You can see the things I don't know much about. You, uh, you can see my disabilities. You can see my, my, my learning disabilities. You can see it all. And you can see the financial debt, the credit card debt you're in. You can see the things you can see it. If you can measure it and see it, that is what is seen. You can see how many divorces you've had. You can see the damage that your kids are experiencing that looks just like the damage that you decided not to address it. And it hurts. That is what is seen. Paul says we fix our eyes, we focus on what is unseen. What is unseen is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that Paul said lives inside of you and me and that we give back to our mortal bodies. That's not talking about heaven. That's a promise right here, right now, that you have something inside of you that is unseen. That is unseen. That is unseen. The grace and the courage that you have seen others in real life and that you have for yourself. That is unseen. 
Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John 3. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He knew it all. He had all the information. But Jesus told him, he said, man, the spirit is like the wind.
Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at iamcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.